You're listening to Genuine Chit Chat. This show is for real. Hello there, friends, and welcome to another episode of Genuine Chit Chat. This week, I am joined by one of the UK's hardest working rappers, Shaldo. Now, if you've been listening to the show for a long time, so like three years, then you'll be aware that Shaldo did actually come on the show all the way back on episode 69 of Genuine Chit Chat. That serves as a good introduction to Shaldo, but this episode is more so sort of the progress that Shaldo has made since our prior conversation, all of the incredible collaborations he's been doing, including being on a Tech 9 album, as well as doing collaborations with Mashed for Shaggy Ballsy versus One Jump Man, and a lot of the other things that he's been involved with as well is talking about the importance of grassroots music venues, artists being paid appropriately for streaming, as well as lots of other things around the musical landscape as well as his career as a rapper. So it covers a wide variety of topics and it is an incredibly important and enjoyable conversation. So that's all the information I'm going to give you here. Make sure you check out the show notes because there's a link to Shadow's website as well as a link to all of his social media and music and those sort of things. And make sure you keep an eye out because Shadow's new single, Erin Yeager Fee Dead, comes out Friday the 8th of April, so only a few days after this episode drops. I've included a link in the description where you can pre-save it wherever you listen to streaming music and it would really, really help Shadow out if you guys could pre-save the track as it just it helps a lot with artists when things get pre-saved so that link is in the description and if you're listening after the 8th of april then i should have put a link in there to actually go and check out that track so uh, i just wanted to add in here that a full video version of mine and shadows conversation will be released on youtube shortly my laptop just takes a while to export videos so it may not be out by the end of today but if it's not it should be out early tomorrow so if you want to watch both myself and shadow chatting instead of just listening to it then go over to my youtube channel and it will be up there very shortly That's going to be it from me at the moment. I'll be back at the end of the conversation to give you guys more information on what's coming up for Genuine Chit Chat, some of the other stuff I've been involved with, and those sorts of things. But make sure you check out the show notes, as always, because I put loads of information in there. And uh, thank you so much for listening. So I present to you, Shaldo. Welcome to Genuine Chit Chat, where we have honest conversations with interesting people. And I'm your host, Mike Burton. And here we are. I am joined once again by Shaldo, which I nicknamed one of the UK's hardest working rappers. And, you know, since we spoke back in September 2019, I think it was, so it's ages ago, since then you've just worked even more and more. So I feel like (laughs) change always change the episode name of that one because this one would be fairly apt. Um, But, you know, you've just been doing a lot of stuff, both in your uh, music career and outside of it. So um, just how are you doing, basically? (laughs) I'm good. You know, funnily enough, you say that, but I feel like I've been working less hard and more smart. I've certainly Mm. been enjoying the process a lot more um, just because I'm not killing myself to release music and to pay for everything and so on and so forth. It just feels like I'm able to enjoy the experience of releasing music and building a fan base more so than I did when I was actually, you know, reportedly the hardest working rapper. (laughs) yeah i mean obviously with uh covid and things that really changed how a huge amount of uh musicians had to work but with yourself you already had that level of sort of brand recognition to a degree but because you did 
relative, well, pretty much everything yourself. And you not mm. only had your music, but you've got your manga and you've got really cool merch and things. And because you've got these layers, and I think when we spoke before, you said um, you know, you didn't want the shortcut. You know, if someone has that one track that explodes and then you're a one-hit wonder, you're kind of yeah. trailing behind that forever. But if you build up consistently over time and you find your footing and you find your lane, then the fans that you find stay with you. So mm. so linking in with that, obviously your music style has changed somewhat as the, the years have gone by. And from your previous album, uh, Way of the Shao, you've really found your stride. So I just want to ask the process of that from when you were started to kind of where you are now, how you found yourself in essence in the music. Uh, do you know what? I, I just started rapping about things that interested me more. I've always been very much into anime, manga, gaming, let's call it nerdy stuff and um it just seemed that that wasn't the the sort of appropriate thing that a rapper should rap about at the most you'd make mention of it or have a clever metaphor or punchline involving an anime character but that was it mm. you know leaning fully into it um i think the first time i did it was with kaioken mm. and you know that was very fun to 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 film and record and everything like that but it didn't really do that much career-wise and then nani just happened to be a track that i merged english and japanese with and that exploded in terms of support and recognition and everything like that and of course i'm going to go where the where the appreciation is and if people enjoy hearing that style of music for me and hear me enjoying myself on a record by talking about things that i love then yeah i you know i've got no issue with doing that it's, it's certainly no compromise of my integrity um, otherwise that would be more of a serious consideration, but I, I've just leaned more into other aspects of my personality. Mm. And who would have thought like when you started your career in music, like that your intrigue in Japanese and obviously all of the, since when we spoke last time, you know, we end up going on a big tangent and talk about anime for like most of the conversation, but who knew your ability to speak Japanese would merge so well with your rap style and also for the audiences that listen and a lot of the collaborations you've been doing as well i think it's really helped elevate you among rappers not only is your rapping in english really cool but i've noticed on a lot of youtube videos and when i see comments of people who haven't heard you before they go oh wow this this is something i haven't heard before mm. so with was nanny something that you specifically was like i'm just going to do this uh track with a bit of japanese in it because i want to and it's fun or was there another influence that made you do that um, I think it started for me from the Charlie Sloth fire in the booth mm. where I rapped a little bit in Japanese and people really responded to that. But then I purposefully didn't do any more because I, I remember saying this to a friend, I didn't want to come across as a gimmick or mm. gimmicky with it. And I needed to prove myself as an artist, regardless of what I viewed to be a crutch in terms of, you know, just speaking random Japanese in my verse. Um, and then Nani came along and I heard the track and it just seemed that that was the chorus, you know, the, I, I was listening to the track and the word Nani was coming into my head. And I thought, well, yeah, I've got to, if I'm going to use that word, then really I've got to include some Japanese in it. And so I did that and got the reaction that I got. And I, I think I had to let go of that um, self-depreciating thought process, which was, you know, it's a gimmick to rap in Japanese. if I'm putting in genuine work and effort into learning it, appreciating the culture, uh, really studying the language, which I am, you know, I'm taking lessons and everything like that and really putting a lot of time into 
um, getting the language right so that I can I can represent it authentically. So um, it with me, it would never be a gimmick because I would always appreciate and respect anything that I'm doing. But I suppose I was worried that people would view me as a one trick pony or as somebody who 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 could only get attention by rapping in Japanese. So, you know, I've, I've tried to try to measure it out carefully. And whilst I'm, you know, whilst I'm learning, it's, it's the, um, what do they call it? The Dunning-Kruger effect, where before I started the university lessons, I was like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm getting this. this. It all makes sense. Then I started the university lessons. I'm like, nope, this language is actually really difficult. <laughs> and now I'm getting back to a point where I'm like, okay, I, I kind of get it, but it's a lot more difficult than I first envisioned. So, um, Whereas I I would have taken more chances with the language and been and been comfortable to be wrong just because I wouldn't know that I was being wrong with it. Now it's a lot more difficult because I know where I'm going wrong with certain phrases, so I need to be even more careful. But that just means that the Japanese is even more accurate and still rhymes with the English and still makes sense. Mm. So as you're speaking Japanese more in your music, you're not only growing as a musician and an artist, but also your language is growing, which is a very, it's very good to sort of see that. And yeah. link, linking in with that, one of the things that the collaborations we have to speak about is uh, Shaggy Ball Z mm. uh, versus One Jump Man. And one of the things I've got to say, I'll put links in the description because people need to check out um, but both of the parts that you're in, but also, you know, the the YouTube channel Mashed, which I didn't realize is by Channel 4, which is baffling. Yeah. I did not expect that when I saw it. I was like, Mashed? I was like, is this like... For me, I thought, was it something relating to... Um, the vibes I got initially was... Oh, I should have really remembered what the name of it was. It's um, Game Grumps, one of the members... Ninja Sex Pie. Right, right. You know, and they've released an album and they've done a lot of animated stuff as well to do mm-hmm, with sort of mm-hmm. nerd culture in that way. So I was like, oh, is MASH like maybe part of them? But I was like, oh, Channel 4, that's interesting. But one of the things... Quite, I, quite random, huh? Yeah, it's uh, I would not have guessed. I mean, Channel yeah. 4 are very progressive in a lot of ways, but I didn't realise they had a YouTube presence of, of that regard. So I want to say that with the YouTube video, uh, with the track itself, one of the things that I love the most is the... Obviously, you're speaking in English when you're doing Shaggy, but when mm-hmm. you do Luigi, or One Jump Man, you speak in Japanese, and obviously yeah. Nintendo is a Japanese company, and I just thought that was so clever. So I want to ask, with Shaggy Ball Z, how did that collaboration come about with Mashed, and just wh- where does it come from, basically? Well, I mean, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Mashed's work, and they um, obviously did the Waluigi series uh, it was a three-part series about waluigi complaining that he wasn't in smash hmm. so and that was uh by kevin bennett who is an incredible rapper um and it just so happened you know i got in contact with Mash and and said you know i'm a big fan of what you do and i would love to love to contribute in some way if i can you know i'd love to work with you guys and they came back to me said yeah you know we're actually a uk company not many people know that and we we've been hoping to work with some uk with a uk rapper for a while so it's a good thing you got in contact so we kind of went from there it took a little while to get it all sorted but we went from there and um they asked me to pitch a couple ideas which i did they liked some of them but they they came back and said you know actually we've got these two series shaggy ballsy and one jump man that we've been wanting to do something with for a while and we think that music would work very well with it and would quite like to merge these two together can you do something with this so they provided me with a a rough overview script and asked me to put a song together which I did and they loved it and kind of went from there and now it's looking like it's going to be at least a five-part series so um yeah part three we're starting work on at the moment um 
so yeah, in essence, uh, it, it's been really fun to work on it because it's something I've always wanted to do with my career, you know, work on animated material and just make cool music and artistry. And in terms of the, in terms of the Japanese English thing, I just thought it would be funny to have this character that understands not a word of English, just trying to get along and everybody's misconstruing what he's saying to them. And um, it allows me to flex my Japanese skills in a legitimate way that um, makes sense for the story. So yeah, it's it's tough trying to get uh, one jump man to, to contribute in meaningful ways whilst also having the Japanese rhyme. But so far it's been a challenge that I've enjoyed. And it's, it's always really funny to me when people, um, when people say, Oh, but, Luigi is Italian. Why is he speaking Japanese? And I'm like, well, it's because he's not Luigi. It's it's one jump man. He looks like Luigi, <laughs> but it's one jump man. And one jump man is Japanese. Amazing. And with that as well, I want to ask, with the um how it works, you kind of alluded to it a little bit, but I want to delve a smidge deeper. When it comes to um, they give you, say, a, a general script. So how does as much as you can tell us about the process? Like, is it you get the general script, you kind of you write down your lyrics and record your verses, you send it to them back and forth, and then they say okay, and then you don't hear anything, and then you get to see the video upon its release, or where do you get to see the animation? I'm just intrigued where the animation and your lyrics kind of where they connect in essence so yeah you're correct i write the lyrics first and we we have several meetings discussing the general direction the script so on and so forth but really um the the over the overarching um the well the overarching story they kind of say where they'd like it to go but the details and how we get to that point is largely up to me so, you know, I, I I really do get a lot of creative freedom, which is very, very cool of them. Um, so, yeah, I mean, with, with with part one, they just said they wanted, you know, um, a big fight in a stadium. At some point, one jump man would do something to offend Shaggy, Ballsy, and then they would end up fighting. And um, maybe there'd be a draw at the end. Some big monster would come out at some point, so on and so forth. So I had to take all of that and make that something coherent and 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 you know something that made sense. Um, so when that's done, I send them over the song. They listen and they they create what's called an animatic, which is a very very rough um, version of the animation where it's almost like stick figures drawn faces and things like that. Um, there's a little arrows and notes as it goes by, but it kind of plays as an animation would still it's just incredibly rough and i get to see the animatic i don't know if normally most artists i don't know if normally they would show the artist the animatic but i find that kind of stuff interesting so i've made it very clear i'd love to see the process so the the my main contact there he will send me any and everything that they have along the way up until it's pretty much done at which point i say i don't want to see it until it's released mm-hmm. you know because I, I enjoy that when, when it when it gets to the colored parts when when they're doing the color and the the proper drawings that's when i stop asking to see it just and maybe a few stills or a few shots here and there just because i want to experience the whole thing um when it's done that's amazing and i love one of the things i love about it is not only you you do so many references in so much of your music which is brilliant so you can just listen again and again and again and pick up more and more things and it's the same with watching shaggy mm. Z because when i watched it the uh, i think it's, it's either the first or second time and you see uh, in the first episode of it you are in the crowd which i loved yeah. i love little things like that and i was like oh my god there's an animated shaldo yeah, yeah. little things like that so anyone who hasn't seen the video needs to check it out but anyone who's already watched it go watch it again just look around the background because there's there's so many fun little there's a lot of stuff there's a lot of stuff and i i can't take any credit for that whatsoever that's the animator liam 
who um, is probably as big as, if not a bigger nerd than me and really knows his stuff. So it's it's always a joy for me. Like um, part two contains a lot of Jojo references and it takes a couple watches. And even if you know Jojo well, you might still miss a few of them. But there, there's just some really good stuff in there. And what they're starting to do now is harken back to some of their earlier videos. So they're creating what the, the audience have dubbed the mashed cinematic universe, which oh, I think amazing. is great. That's so cool. I mean, it's it's one thing that I think we touched upon it before, but sort of centering in on it a bit more is like collaboration. Mm. You know, in a lot of your um, singles and obviously in your albums and things, you have done numerous collaborations over your career. And as a podcaster, although we're in slightly different mediums, it's mm. still something that I believe is one of the most valuable things of being a content creator, because I just think that when you work with someone else, even it doesn't matter how small or big the collaboration necessarily is, but both parties seem to take something away. And obviously mm-hmm. if you can combine audiences that ends up adding even more. And I just think collaborations in themselves are just so important for so many working individuals who aren't, you know, immediately gigantic, massive, famous sort of uh, artists or podcasters. And I think that this perfectly encapsulates how, well collaborations can go with people who are like-minded enough but still have individual skills and you can create so many cool things not you know not just uh, the things that you've been involved with but everything that mash do is building that thing up and i think i just really respect that and also your input into that realm Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah um yeah i I, for me it's just about creating cool stuff like i said you know i just want to do the things that i dreamed about doing when i was starting my career and so far, you know, I feel very blessed to have done some of those things. There's still a lot more, but if I could tell myself, my younger self, what I would be doing now, he would be incredibly impressed and excited. So, you know, that's some of really, that's kind of enough for me, but it's also not enough for me because I want more. <laughs> that's kind of how I feel. Whenever I get like a really, uh, like a guest I've been chiming for for ages and really excited yeah. about, I'm like, oh, I'm so happy I got them. And then I speak to them and afterwards I'm like, but I'm not done. Yeah. <laughs> now I need to get the next person and stuff. Yeah. So speaking of sort of collaborations and sort of dreams in a lot of ways, when we were first speaking um, back in the the prior podcast we did, obviously you on your um, last album, you had the song, I believe it was Don't Box Me with yeah. uh, Chris Calico. Yes. And yes, obviously yeah. he is, uh, or was, a major player of strange music. And we spoke about uh, Tech 9 and obviously Tech 9, and you've said in multiple interviews as well, has been a massive influence to you in so many yeah. ways. And then when I saw it, get, I think it was about a year ago now or so, but when I saw that you were doing a collaboration with Tech 9, I mean, I don't know, I, I want to hear how you were feeling, but when I saw that, I was like, because I, I saw I saw you support Tech Nine in yeah. the UK. That's how we kind of I first heard of you, and I saw you, and I was like, I love this guy's energy. I want to get in contact, and that's how we um, end up speaking and things. So, how was that to finally, after to- like playing shows with him in the UK and having a song with Chris Calico, finally, and not only having a single released sort of under your name featuring Tech Nine, like the Chris Calico thing was, but the reverse that you yeah. are on a Tech Nine album. I mean, that's. Yeah. That's incredible. And kudos to you, sir. It's a Thank brilliant you. track. Uh, yeah. Um, if it's indescribable, really. I mean, sometimes I kind of forget it just to get through my day because if I think about it too much, it's like, wow, you know, it's it's unbelievable. Uh, and really, he just called me out of the blue and said, I've got a track I think I could hear you on. Would you like to do it? And I'm like, well, duh, yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, it was it was kind of like that. And it was really cool to be able to talk to him and just be involved in the process and my only regret was that 
I was meant to fly out to the States to film the video with him and we couldn't do it because of COVID. Mm. So, you know, I was supposed to be quite heavily featured in the video and it's really, really unfortunate that I wasn't. But, um, you know, time will tell and fingers crossed there will be more in the future. I I don't know. But, um, you know, just to be able to say that I was on a Tech 9 album in and of itself is incredible. So I'm really, really happy with that. And the song itself is amazing. It's called A Kickata, and I'll make sure I put a link to that in the description as well uh, for anyone to, so they can see the video, but also so they can hear the track itself. And, you know, I... I, I I like Tech Nine, but he, he releases so much music a lot of the time. It's kind of mm. sometimes you release an album, I'm like, it's so overwhelming. But when yeah. when that album came out, I think that your track with Tech was actually one of the standouts. Oh, and I listened to it over and over again. I think it's it's fantastic. And when it comes to sort of the, the process, obviously he pro- probably he had the majority of the track sorted. Was it kind of like because I don't fully I don't really know how collaborations, especially uh in rap music, work. Is it he basically said, I've you've got this 30 seconds, say whatever you want. What did he have a theme? Like as much as you can say about it. I'm just very intrigued by it. Yeah. So he, he kind of said that he had written this song and he could hear me all over. He could hear me on the hook. Mm -hmm. And so, um, he sent it, he sent it over to me and it had the space already. He already had the verses and he gave me a general thought process of, of where he was going with the track, the kind of energy he wanted, the kind of idea he wanted for the chorus he said he wanted it to have a worldwide feel that kind of thing something international and so immediately i thought well it needs to have some japanese in there in that case um and yeah it had it had the space on it and i just sat there that evening from when he sent it to me and worked on it worked on it until i got it sent it back to him sent him some ideas back and forth until we had something he was happy with and then i just jumped in the studio and recorded it um it's different for different artists. Some artists will send you just a song, completely blank instrumental and give you some ideas and so on and so forth. And you kind of work it together. Sometimes they will have already recorded the key parts on it and then send that over to you. It's different. You know, Um, I think that it depends on the, on, on the stage of the process you're at. Sometimes you will have a beat and you'll just hear it and be thinking, okay, well, I'd really like to get this artist on it. Let me send it to them whilst the idea is still fresh. Sometimes you might be writing something, get to a point and think, actually, this needs somebody else on it. Who do I get? Oh, okay, maybe this person. Let me send them what I've got so far. Mm. Yeah. And one of the things as well, uh, just to sort of partly finish off the, the Tech Nine discussion is uh, when I heard about the song and I was like, oh, that's amazing. That's so cool. And then it was a single as well which yeah. also was like obviously because you said about the video and things as yeah. well i was like that's even more of a of a massive deal and i think it was it was either the first or second single from the album i seem to recall first single first single yeah so it was just like that's what a way to kick off a new tech nine album yeah. of just having you on it and i it just made me happy as well not only that you got to uh, perform with such an incredible artist and obviously mm-hmm. someone who I've always associated you with tech, especially from uh, how I was introduced to you. But the fact that so many new fans who like tech nice music will hear from you, and it's not just like, you know, you're not that this wouldn't be impressive anyway, but it's not mm. like you're on, you know, the 13th track of a 16-track album kind of hidden away. You are yeah. front and center, first yeah. track, everyone hears it. And it's yeah. just, I was happy for you just for that degree of exposure. Thank you. No, it was, it was awesome. And it was a complete honor, you know? So, um, it's, it's really just trying to get to the point where, um, I have something 
to offer tech in terms of putting him him on my album and he's like oh my gosh i'm on a shadow album that's that's what i want <laughs> i'm sure you'll get there one day um but linking in with that sort of i want to speak to you about your releases and whatnot um because as we said your last album came out uh, before we started speaking a little while ago but that doesn't yeah. mean you haven't been releasing stuff obviously we've already spoken about uh, shaggy ball z but also you've been releasing every few months there's been a new single out from you some of them have been sort of uh relating to uh more heavily in the nerdy stuff like there's the song mm. uh sephiroth what i absolutely adore uh, that's of those and like dio brando and a lot of the sort of more heavily involved in nerddom and anime the the sephiroth song i think for me was one of my favorites of that but then you're still also releasing music that isn't explicitly in that realm songs mm. like Cursey, and so i want to ask you um what is the process? And you're releasing, I think you said, an EP at some point in this year, ideally. So what is the kind of, what has made you choose to release singles consistently as opposed to uh, saving up for an album? Like, what was your process of your releasing schedule, in essence? In all honesty, it's just easier uh, because my process is very intricate and very meticulous. You know, I, I spend a good amount of time writing until I'm completely satisfied and I can stand by every single word that I've written and I've thought and considered every line and really thought, you know, is this the best I can do? Okay. Yes. Move on to the next line. Okay. Is this the best I can do? Now maybe let me move this word. Let me change this the to an, uh, and stuff like that, you know? Um, so once I'm, once I'm there, I want people to hear it and to do that for say five, six tracks for an EP or 12 to 15 tracks for an album or however much and not be releasing music in the meantime, I think would stress me out a little bit just because I know people are are waiting and, and in the, in the community that I'm in the nerdcore community, the expectation is that you're releasing tracks maybe once a week, if not once every two weeks, whereas I'm out here releasing a track every month or so, or whenever I feel like it. So there's already a bit of a delay in my process. So then to wait three, four, five, however months it takes to put together a body of work, I just worry that I'll lose some of the momentum that I've built up. Plus, I genuinely enjoy uh, the, the the single process at the moment. You know, creating the music video, creating the artwork for it. I'm I'm so proud of the artwork for Erin Yeager for Dead because I, I genuinely think that's the best artwork that I've had so far. Mm. And you know, for an EP or an album, you get one piece of artwork for the whole project, assuming you're not releasing any singles from it. So. Yeah, I I just enjoy the representation of the music in single format. And even, to be honest, even if I did release an EP or an album, I would probably still showcase the individual tracks as singles up until a point. So, um, yeah, for my honest answer is for the time being, I'm just enjoying putting out good music as regularly as I possibly can. Uh, maybe I might get to the point where I've created a bit of a backlog and I've got a couple tracks done and then I can start thinking about an EP. But for now whilst people are just enjoying what i'm putting out i'll just i just want to put stuff out really mm. yeah because with singles you really get that time with it as you say yeah. you get the time to you know you perfect the track and whatever and the artwork and etc but then when you release it it doesn't get overlooked because there's certain <clears> tracks like you know I, I mentioned it i keep mentioning it but on way of the shower don't box me with chris calico that is one of my favorite tracks of yours yeah. and obviously it's the last track on the album i think from what i can recall is, and i would yeah. worry that people you know, especially in today's society, there's so many friends I have who are like, oh yeah, I love this artist. Like, oh cool, do you listen to this album with this album? Oh no, I've just listened to singles. I'm like, what are you doing? You're insulting yeah, yeah. me. But when you, so it's kind of certain fans will miss out certain tracks. Yes. A lot of the time, like really strong tracks can be 
not hidden, but you know, in the middle of an album or two thirds through. And if you release them single, one at a time, you release it, you get time, your fans can sort of respond to it, you can hear what they liked about it, what they didn't, and it can help you attune your craft. Whereas if you spend a year and a half and you're quiet in air quotes because you're releasing an album and mm. then you release the album, it is not uh except it's not sort of um people don't like it as much as maybe one would expect. And then you've kind of got the back and forth process you don't have as much whereas yeah. when you release one single at a time you just really get that time for it yes yeah and you know i i think you i as you identified we're very much in a different kind of world that than we were when cd albums and singles and things like that were were dominating you know it is a far more transient and and um instant gratification type society and I think you, you know, you either move with the times or, or you get left behind. So I'm aware that people have shorter attention spans and they, they don't have the time to really be checking out and, and listening to a whole album. So when I, whilst I'm not ready to make an album, whilst I don't feel that I've got something to say on an album, there's no point in me doing one. Hmm. Yeah, that's a very good point. And also it's it's interesting as well because some some of your newer fans may not realize like sort of how long you've been in the industry for. And obviously when we spoke last time you were speaking about, you know, you used to just either for gigs or otherwise just you would be out yourself selling your merchandise, selling physical CDs. And now sort of years down the line, it's it's completely changed. I know friends of mine who don't even have a means to play a CD anywhere. They, they don't have a player, not on their laptop, in their car or anything. So it is that kind of thing where pretty much everyone has got a smartphone now in sort of Western society. And so when you've got those things where people, as you say, there's instant gratification, people forget things immediately. I talked to my friends and I showed them a song and they're like, oh yeah, I love that song. And I'm like, oh, have you heard the other singles that come out? Oh, there are other singles. It's like, yes, it's been eight months. There's more yeah. music that's come out since now. I completely forgot. I listened to that, liked it, put it in a playlist, and then never delved any deeper. Mm -hmm. So I think with the, the single part, especially, you know, uh, we are coming out of COVID. You know, there are gigs playing and things. And I know that you did a small tour recently. Um, a small tour. You did a tour recently. And it was in my hometown. And I couldn't attend, which made me very sad. Um, but fear not. I will attend another one. Um but obviously during COVID, it was that thing where there was no live shows. There was yeah. a degree of, you know, the Zoom live shows. And I know that like a band I like called Architects, they played in the Royal Albert Hall and you paid money to be able to watch them. But obviously seeing them on a screen do live performance isn't the same as no. being there and the atmosphere. And especially with yourself, when you've got tracks like Dropkick Man. Yeah. Like when I first saw you, one of the things that I immediately clicked with you, I found, was that you had such good command of a crowd which for an opening act is not that common. And mm. so I commend you on that, but I want to ask like, how was it after being in COVID being able to play a few live shows again? Like how was that? Was it quite cathartic for you? Like, were you like jonesing for it and needing it or was it a bit kind of nerve wracking? Yeah, it was awesome. I, I really missed being on stage. You know, it's, it's very much something that I love doing and the London show in particular, uh, the London, the London show of the tour was one of my favorite shows that I've done. Mm. So, you know, that, that was awesome. Um, but I am a live artist, you know, I don't, I, I don't perform online because it, you, there's no crowd, there's no energy there for me, you know? So um, I'd always said that if the live music industry was going to migrate exclusively to online, I don't think I would make music in the same way just because it's, it's not, it's not for me, you know, mm. performing to a screen is just not, what i do so um yeah it was it was definitely needed 
I think, to return to, to life, not just for me, but for a lot of people to be able to come out of their house and see a show. Um, so I'm just hoping that people start feeling more confident, start feeling more comfortable to go outside and, and experience live music because there's nothing really like it. You can't get that same effect or experience by watching it at home on a computer or screen or, or phone screen, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I completely agree. It's one of the reasons I didn't tune into any any artist that I liked, um, whether it was free or otherwise. I was just like, mm-hmm. I don't, you know, I don't want to sit in front of a computer and watch you perform for an hour and a half because, you know, it sounds somewhat reductive it's like if i'm going to sit there and listen to you i'd rather listen to you studio where generally speaking it sounds more clean but obviously when you're live it's not about it sounding clean it's about Mm. variations of the tracks it's about uh, in sort of interacting with the performer it's about seeing the performer there it's the atmosphere of the crowd so there's so many layers to live performance that you just don't get when you watch it on uh, on a screen and even if you watch someone say uh play in front of a crowd like older videos and things you do get a percentage of that but it's it's still nowhere near so I, i'm completely in agreement with you there where i mm. me watching uh artists that i liked it's not it's not the same for me so being a performer not feeling the energy bounce back off the crowd it it would be a very bizarre thing i could imagine mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah yeah, yeah. So, and I want to ask as well with sort of uh, keeping in line with streaming. So obviously a lot of people are, I think, peripherally aware that when people have music on Spotify and other streaming services, that the amount that artists get paid per listen is an unfathomably small amount. But mm. I know that you are, you know, very honest and outspoken about these sort of things. So I wonder if you could talk to us a little bit about streaming and your opinions on it and some of the things that you've said in interviews and whatnot about the kind of state of it all and how you yeah. where you kind of want it to go i mean i just think that in an industry where people can make such incredible music the fact that most musicians can't even make a living from their music because it's just not paid well enough is is criminal whereas the record labels and all the other industry professionals and the people who work within the music business are able to command and draw a a livable living, the people who actually are the reason that there is even a music business are not. And that is very strange to me. Uh, As to how to fix that, I don't know, aside from talking about it and encouraging people to support their favourite artists in lots of different ways and not just by streaming it, but by going to shows, by buying merch, by, you know, really supporting the artists and telling new people about them in the hopes that, you know, the streaming numbers will get to a point where it actually pays anything half decent but yeah i just think that it's a real shame that you can't just make music and make money from that for the for probably about 80 to 90 percent of artists that's the case for some it's not and more power to them well done congratulations but even still they should be being paid more for their music than they are being paid so uh it's it's a tough one it's a tough one but you know uh i think a million plays on on spotify is about four thousand pounds which is you know it's a million plays yeah and it, it, as you say there's often with people they take the cuts and things and how much is spotify making off this from people either paying the monthly fees or when you people have the free versions and the adverts and stuff you think yeah how much money are they making and mm. stuff and you hear about the you know i i do listen to joe rogan but you hear about how much he got paid to put his music on spotify and you're just thinking 
there's so many small artists that could yeah. really probably have used that money distributed a bit more and you yeah. give it to one of the if not the richest podcast in the entire world and you give him even more money and it's like uh you know i'm not obviously uh, the leader of the the business side of spotify i'm sure for them it made sense but uh, that left a bit of a bad taste in my mouth it's always mm-hmm. kind of like the and this is slightly tangent bit it's kind of one of those things that frustrates me when you get people who are ridiculously rich they often get things for free and get yeah. more stuff so it's kind of like oh you're already a rich famous celebrity well here's a his free stuff for this yeah yeah and it's this weird thing where you all these people could afford this stuff and you're giving it to them for free yeah. whereas these people could really use it they don't get it it's a really bizarre, it, is, bizarre thing. it is yeah i've always said people like to help people who don't need help mm. that's a very good way of putting it yeah yeah and sort of linking in with that as well with your your merchandise and things is you've got your manga and you've got volume one of that out and uh, to my knowledge you're already writing it in the process of uh, volume two so i want to ask just about i'll I'll put a link in the description as well for your uh, merch store and things and i just want to ask about your merchandise and your manga itself like tell us a little bit about those things um so yeah it's just cool stuff that i personally would wear um being sold by me really uh is pretty much my merch you know almost everything that i sell i would wear and if i saw it out and about i'd be like that's kind of cool i wouldn't mind buying that so um yeah it's it's authentically me and um the manga series is set in a world where musicians have special powers and abilities that grow as their fan base increases so it's just me telling but it's kind of it's kind of an autobiography just with a lot more fantasy and fictional elements in it uh but it's the perfect medium for me to tell my story because it's i'm a very big lover of manga and i read a lot of varied titles so i've constantly been studying absorbing techniques and tropes and and ways to do things and i get to show my knowledge in the form of my own book and that is fun as well Hmm. Yeah, one of the things, uh, one of your much uh, pieces of merch that I like the most is the the glow in the dark tea. Yes, those are cool. Yeah. It's such a cool idea. It's just like I don't think there's enough just t-shirts in general that have glow in the dark in, in yeah. them. Whenever I see them, I just think that is so cool. <laughs> so, yeah. um, well, again, I mean, for me, it's 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 kind of just an extension of my musical artistry. It's it's me just saying, well, look, when it comes to music, I'm different. And I do things in a different way, and yes, you know everybody raps but here is how i do it in my own way and in the same vein everybody well not everybody but anybody who has merch will have t-shirts but here's how i do t-shirts mm. yeah exactly and, and you've got so many other cool ones i know you've got like a foil one as well and just yeah the, yeah um well i've got the foil well what i've been leaning into more now actually because um of the work that i I put into with my illustrator to develop the artwork for the singles. I've started selling art prints of the singles, uh, which are foil art prints. And so that's been really cool just to reimagine my artwork as something that you could put on your wall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it works very well. I mean, I know not all of the people who are watching on YouTube and things will be able to see some of the, some of uh, the artwork you've got in the background. Then I can see the uh, Nani one up there as well, and the yes, cover of yeah. the manga. Obviously, not everything that people can see because there's I can see there's a very cool Dragon Ball Z one, which yeah, yeah. is not your it's That's not, not yours, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> but it does work, and it's I think it was um, 
I can't remember who said it, but um, before I've spoken to you and things, I've heard other people say what you ideally want for merchandise is you want it to be cool enough that your fans enjoy it, obviously, and want to buy it, but also so that even if one isn't necessarily a super fan of the music, because the merch is so cool, you're willing to wear that. And then, obviously, cleverly enough, if yeah. people wear your stuff, that's a subtle advert for it. And if people go, yes, oh, that's is. a cool glow in the dark top, what's that? Oh, it's Shaldo. Oh, who's that? And it, it kind of goes yeah. from there. It's about recognition, which is something that totally. I think, and exposure, which is something that especially uh, artists that are building uh, a life for themselves in this industry really need. Mm, mm, no, totally agree. Totally agree. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, and again, it's it should be an extension of your personality as an artist, you know? So as I've always said, I would I would not make, say, a, f- a football jersey um, as merchandise because I have no interest in football. Same. So it, 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 just, it just wouldn't work for me. And I feel a lot of my fans wouldn't resonate with it because my fans are, are quite similar to me mm-hmm. in terms of their interests and their, 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 their dislikes and their likes. Mm. Yeah, exactly. It's knowing the fan base and also being true yeah. to yourself. That's and that's that's one of the things I've always liked about you is that you are very honest and mm. both in and outside of your music. As I, I harken back to the live show that I saw of yours, where just the way you interacted with the crowd, it was not superficial. And I think I think Tech Nine has a lot of that as well, which is one of the reasons I love Tech as well. It's just that kind of open honesty, letting people see the true you, and not having this, you know. I think a lot of artists, both in rap and outside of rap, have that kind of thing where they've got their rap or other persona at the front and then they are in the back. And although they're kind of pulling the strings, it's not truly who they are. And with you, I know that just from the start, you can pick out any Shadow track and you immediately know and you can feel what kind of individual you are, both mm. as an artist and as a person, which I really respect. And I think in the, the sort of, as you deemed it, nerdcore genre, I think that's what a lot of people like. I, I identify as a nerd as well. I mean, in the background, there's a Lego. Yeah, I, can see. I, was, I was looking at it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I got Lego everywhere. Funko pops and stuff, and Star Wars tattoos and whatever. So, but it's it's one of those things where nerdy. I think a lot of people who are in nerd culture, either consumers or creators, they respond to honesty because yeah. for the longest time, nerds were kind of looked down upon. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and now it's become a bit more mainstream. I mean, look, we, we're grown. We're grown people, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to enjoy something which is perceived to be for kids, and that's that's up to you, because I, I I genuinely think that the ones who are who are ridiculing others for having nerdy um, interests are probably quite miserable themselves because they're so worried about what other people think of them that they can't just enjoy what they want to enjoy, you know. And quite frankly, I'm in the gym so much that I'd like to see somebody try and stuff me in a locker. (laughs) (laughs) I have seen, and it also works really well because you wear a lot of the gym clothes, which are like sort of uh, the Dragon Ball Z style ones. Yeah, yeah. And whenever I see them, I'm like, I wish I was, I had the body to wear something like that that didn't look ironic. (laughs) But when you wear it, it's like you can. You just have to hit the gym. Just just (laughs) hit the gym, and you know, we we all we all can get it. Um, You know, and I I just want to. I feel like an anime character when i'm in the gym so i want to look like one as well yeah and your videos on uh social media are very inspiring uh, the one that i watched uh, fairly recently um it was 
I think it's the pectoral flight where it's the machine where you're doing this. And I look, I could see in the background the weights going up and it was the whole, all of the weights. And yeah. obviously I was seeing that. I was like, I, I knew you were strong because I've seen a lot of the, um, and very athletic. I've seen a lot of the videos where, you know, you pull yourself up with your body weight and you can hold yourself up and things like that. But then when you see that sort of stuff, it's like this guy, he releases music. He's got manga out. He's a, a nerd in all the best ways. He's honest. And also he goes to the gym a lot and it's all these these elements that i think people would wrongly uh not associate they think yeah. oh if you love anime you're going to be stereotypical term it's like a neck beard like an overweight person in a basement eating just doritos a mountain dew and that's it and you've got no talent whereas i like how you are so unashamedly yourself and you do what you want to do in so many aspects and you're open about that on social media mm. that people get to see that you can be these things that in the past people wouldn't think connect together because it's, yeah. it doesn't matter. It's just what you want to be. Well, I mean, to be fair, I am in the basement and I'm eating barbecue crunch mix, with <laughs> these, um, giant corn, peas and chickpeas. I but, eat that a uh, lot. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. I mean, I eat a lot of, I mean, Doritos are my, are my thing. I can, I devour Doritos. I need to not have them in the house because I will just, I'll go through yeah. them like nobody's business. Um, so I want to ask a little bit about uh, something I noticed in, you had an a interview in a magazine recently and you posted it, yes. I saw on your Facebook and things. And within that, I believe it was, um, I think it was mentioned in passing about sort of speaking at parliament and grassroots. And I, I can't remember when we spoke before if that was on the cards, but I don't remember hearing uh, a huge amount of detail about that. So apologies if it's now slightly out of date, but I'm just intrigued by when did you speak with parliament and what was it kind of about? That's a good question. I'm actually trying to remember when it happened. I feel like it was, I think it was 2017, mm, actually. Yeah. But I have a really bad habit of forgetting stuff that I've done. Mm. Like I could have done the coolest thing. And then next month I'll be like, yeah, um, yeah I haven't really done much recently. Because <laughs> so, uh, I, I, I'm always focused on the the now as well as the future and thinking about, okay, what can I do to, to surpass what I've done already? So once I've done it, even the Tech 9 thing, I need to be reminded that I've been on a Tech 9 album because otherwise I forget because I'm so focused on what can I do to be better than I was yesterday. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, with the, with the parliament thing, it was, I, I was speaking on behalf of small music venues around the country in support of, and talking about how important culturally uh, grassroots music venues are not only to the music scene, but to uh, small towns and cities and just ed entertainment and culture in general, you know, mm. how vital they are um, and how, we don't whilst the o2 academies and the the o2 itself and the big massive venues are are good we still need smaller venues we still need 100 capacity we still need 200 capacity in some cases we need 50 capacity venues um so and that that is the training grounds for a lot of tomorrow's success stories and without them, I don't know how you get your stage experience. I don't know how you learn how to command a crowd or how to um, take control of a vibe and, and enhance it with your music. You know, you can't just step on to an a thousand capacity stage for your first performance and expect to know what you're doing. You're meant to mess up in the smaller venues and then get better and build your 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 fan base who love you and and be able to look them in the eye when you're performing and talk to them afterwards and stuff like that you don't get that experience when you're doing an arena tour or a massive venue 100 percent. and also for as a fan you know there's uh, there's a lot of venues uh, local to me because i'm from southampton as i said and you played a show here recently and 
Southampton, one of the things I love about it is the music scene. Uh, both there's the alternative music scene and the sort of the more mainstream. You've got the O2 Academy, uh, which is you know generally a bit more mainstream individuals who play there. But then you've got you've got the Joiners and you've got uh, the Brook and you've got a lot of other smaller venues and the Stage Door where. As a fan, especially when I was a teenager, I would just spend every weekend, I'd be going to a different gig of different genres and things. And when you go to somewhere like uh, the Joiners, as an example, the tickets there are often less than £10. So as someone who, if you're a young person or someone who is even older but doesn't have that much money to be able to spend 50 plus quid on a ticket to see a band or artist you like in an arena plus getting there, etc. When it is that lower amount of money, it helps the, obviously the venue itself, the local community, as well as the individual performing and also the individuals going there. So I think that what you say is something that I feel is very understated because I don't you don't hear about a lot of musicians speak about these things i feel as much you a lot of musicians when they get to a certain level they don't acknowledge almost where they came from in a lot of yeah. ways yeah yeah agreed um so regardless i mean that is why those small venues are important because we wouldn't i don't think we'd have those big musicians if not for the small venues so they should be protected and they should be respected in the same way that one respects say the out the royal albert hall but mm-hmm. the problem that we're having is a lot of small music venues are closing down um for a multitude of reasons um one being that aggressive developers are building apartments and houses and things like that close to music venues then when they're built people move in and start making start registering noise complaints because surprise surprise you live next to a live music venue what do you expect <laughs> Um, so there needs to be a recognition of that and perhaps some sort of protection put in place that if you decide you are going to build something next to an existing venue, you've either got to front up the cost for noise, um, cancelling, um, material with, within the walls of, of the residency, or you've just got to accept that it's going to be noisy sometimes, you know, mm-hmm. and, Furthermore, uh, something that's killing a lot of these venues is uh, business rates, because many of them are treated like normal businesses when effectively most of them are not even turning a profit because either not enough people are coming through or it's a labor of love. So, you know, they're bringing acts through, uh, not because it's going to make them a lot of money, but because they want them to perform in their city. Mm -hmm. And I don't think you can be charging uh, a, a live music venue business rates when they're not really operating as a business. They're not quite a charity either, but they're certainly not a, a proper business in terms of the fact that profit is not their main concern. Mm. Yeah, it's very well put. Yeah, I agree with you completely on that. Um, and we're getting towards the end um, of our of the hour uh, and things, so I will start to wrap up here. But um, there was something I want to ask you, and I should have asked you before recording, so apologies. Uh, but it was obviously when we last spoke, your name was Shaldo as one word, mm-hmm. and now you've made it separate. And when I saw that, I went back and changed uh, the titles and things. I just wanted to ask, was that just because people, I know there was there was a joke, and you've, you've made the joke in songs and also in interviews where people think it's Shadow. Mm. Um, was that part of the reason that you changed it? Out of interest that was entirely the reason i I'm, <laughs> I'm incredibly i'm incredibly stubborn and i was like no it is the children that is wrong not not i um but then eventually i think i just got to the point where i was really tired of people mispronouncing my name and not re- not realizing that i had a no in it so i thought well how can i make this more obvious and you know of course branding is important and if people are not recognizing how to properly spell my name or not understanding it then it's only it's only me that's suffering you know mm. I'm, I'm cutting off my nose to spite my face ultimately so um i had to 
had to humble myself a little bit and just think, well, what is my ultimate goal here? Is it to is it to ensure that everybody says my name the way I want it to be said, or is it to ensure that people actually know what my name is properly so they can find me? Um, so I thought very long and hard about how I could present my name in a way which would be coherent and and readable, but still maintain the authenticity. And I tried, you know symbols between the names and all sorts of things and this was over the process of about i thought about this for probably about a year to two years before i actually made the decision so it wasn't a quick decision i even thought about just dropping the dough and and just making it shout and that was a serious consideration for a while and the only thing that stopped me actually was um that there were other artists called shout and i considered and i mean none of them had the kind of reach and fan base that I did. So it would have been very easy to just go, you know what, this is my name now and I'm you've got to change yours mm. because I said so. And you know, if you don't like it, I'll start legal action. Mm. I could have done that, but that felt really shitty. Mm. And it just didn't feel like the way I wanted to start a new name change to come in with animosity and and negativity and stuff like that. Cause I feel that would come back to me at some point later in my career I had to have my name surrounded with that so shadow was still me and very much me and nobody thankfully has ever tried to to take that name or to do something similar to that name probably because it's a stupid name uh, but um so you know i was free to play around with that and of course a lot of my merch still had shadow on it so i didn't want to completely disregard where i've come from so eventually I, I was just mucking around and I put a space between it and thought, actually, that doesn't look too bad. That kind of works. It then makes it very clear that these are two separate things you're meant to say. And it's not shadow, despite the fact that people still kind of say shadow. Sometimes it's less, it's less. They, they tend to say shadow now, now, mm. which, you know, <laughs> we're, we're getting there, not quite there, but we're, we're certainly closer than we were. So um, yeah. I think the space worked and actually now when I see the 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 word together in my brain I'm like no that's wrong you've spelled my name wrong despite the fact that that was my name for a good what like 8 years or so so um it's weird how that works but it feels so much more natural having it like that and I can play around with it a lot more and and yeah people people are getting it and it it just so happened that I changed my name just before I released Nani so I don't know if the name change helped I don't know if it just was a fortuitous situation who, you know, I'll never know, but it, it kind of, it felt like the stars aligned at that point. So it, it's definitely felt like the right thing to do there. Yeah. When you did it, I, th- I thought it was a good shout as well. It was, you know, as I already knew who you were, but when I was telling people about it, if I write, if you write Shaldo without the space, there is that part of people and they go, is he just writing Shaldo and got it wrong? But when it's yeah. the space, it's it's like I highly doubt he's added an extra letter, capitalized the D, and you know put yeah. O in it all by mistake. Yeah. And, and so it and it works as works when I speak to people about you, and when I have done before the the name alteration, it still it sounds the same. And even when we did our podcast, we're both saying Shaldo, but it's mm. difference between Shaldo and Shaldo. It's like the the yeah. it's almost the tiniest little gap difference. Yeah. So I think it works really really well, and it was it was a good shout. I think um, I hadn't thought about it, but when you did it, I was like, yeah, that, that yeah. makes sense. It, it felt like the most obvious thing, and sometimes the simplest solution is the is the right one. Sometimes, but I still had to think about it very carefully because Definitely. it's it's my it's it's my everything really. So hundred percent. Cool. Well, um, last sort of thing I wanted to ask you is just what 
can you tell us for sort of with the future? Obviously, you've got um, a lot of things going on at the moment, and there's, I'm sure, many things that you can't speak about. Um, but in your answer of what you can tell us, I know that there's something that uh, in it, a week or so after this being uh, released, it sh- will be out. So I want you to speak about that. But yeah. also in that answer, I'm very intrigued by how far ahead are you with things? Um, so like, for example, what you're releasing next week, have you already started writing the next thing and the next thing after that? Or are you, you know, I know you said one single at a time. I'm just intrigued by the process of how far ahead you are with stuff mm. that you can actually talk about. And also what's the thing coming out next week? Yeah. So um, in answer to that question, no, just because my brain, because I do so much myself, my brain switches into different modes. So currently I'm in single um, promotion mode and that is a very business orientated um way of thinking with some flares of creativity granted but it is a lot more business orientated so it just my i'm not thinking about writing lyrics just because i can't think about writing lyrics right now i'm very much focused on ensuring that as many people as possible know about the single and pre-save it as well because that kind of thing helps you know it uh, i I don't think people realize but the more that a single is pre-saved before the release the more likely is that that single will then be put onto playlists and things like that which of course helps the artist um in terms of more plays and more listens and more potential listeners you know so um yeah my focus is just ensuring that as many people as possible know that i have new music coming out so that on release day there are people ready to listen and check it out um in terms of after that once that song is out i'll probably give myself a few days to a week and then i'll get back to writing again and start planning the next track alongside that though i am you know i say that I, I can't write anything. And that's kind of not true because I am still also working on part three of Shaggy Ball Z versus One Jump Man and also um, creating the um, second volume of The Way of Shao Manga. And I'm actually expecting, well, this is releasing on Sunday, but, well, potentially releasing on Sunday, but as we are now, we're on a Wednesday, I'm expecting some drafts of the book tomorrow to have a look at. So I'm really excited to see that. Um Plus, yeah, just more shows. And uh, I've got a show next month in Cambridge. I am performing at all of the Comic-Con events this year in in England. So I'm doing the two London shows and the, and the Birmingham show. And yeah, whatever else kind of comes up in between that. Sometimes things just pop up and they're huge and they come out of nowhere. So I'm, I'm always kind of just open for experiences, I guess, and just new things. And then I'm also trying to be as supportive to the up and coming artists as possible. So, you know, I've, I've, I occasionally do Twitter spaces where I just hop in and just give advice to artists. I'm strongly considering starting up a, a kind of side business of uh, mentoring and advising artists where, you know, maybe I'll, I'll charge a small amount per hour and I'll sit down and listen to a, 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 an artist's music, give them advice and that's directly tailored to them and help them to learn the music industry. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm considering that. I haven't, I haven't quite thought it out just yet because there's so many other things to do. But yeah, essentially, there's always stuff that I'm doing, you know, yeah. and it will, it will always be creative in some way. Yeah, and one, and it goes back to one of my very first comments of back to the other podcast. One of the UK's hardest working rappers because you are <laughs> you're always doing something and it is always just delightful to speak with you because there's always so many things to talk about and although this one was more confined uh, to an hour I feel like you know we didn't even touch with like anime or anything like that because the last conversation we had was the majority of it was just talking about Dragon Ball Z and Dragon Ball Super so I know we could talk about hundreds of things Um, but before I press uh, stop on this wonderful conversation. 
please tell people uh, where they can find you. I'll put links in the description, but just sort of last things and uh, what you've got. I'll make sure this comes out on Sunday. So what you've got coming out within the week, and then we'll finish this up. Sure. So you can find me on pretty much any social media at Shaodo Music. So S-H-A-O-D-O-W Music. Um, if you can't spell music, I can't help you. <laughs> and my website is DIYgang.co.uk, as it sounds. Um, I have the Evan Yeager Fidead uh, track coming out on Friday the 8th. Even though it says the 4th on my Twitter, it is actually the 8th because I just am dumb and Twitter doesn't have an edit button. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's coming out next Friday. And it is what it sounds like. It's an Evan Yeager diss track because he is a psychopath and I refuse to <laughs> refuse to accept any other um, answer to that. And um, yeah, I'll also be um, involved in a Dungeons and Dragons playthrough. Uh, it will be my first time playing Dungeons, Dungeons and Dragons and that will be going up on YouTube. I think we're doing that on Saturday. Um, so I'm really looking forward to checking that out and trying that out. So yeah, look out for that as well. I'll be promoting that when it comes out and I'm performing in Cambridge next month for the Sound and Vision Festival incredible yeah and i'll be sure uh, to share some of those things as well that you've been uh, involved with and it's it works out quite well because i've been talking i've been trying to think about having you on for months and then just mm. kind of this just fell into place very nicely and then yeah. it's like oh you've got a single coming out and obviously uh shagamalsy uh, shaggy ballsy part two very recently just dropped and you've got as you said the way of the shao manga part two that's kind of in sort of some of the final stages of that as mm. well so lots of very exciting things for 2022 for shadow and um yeah it's just been absolutely delightful speaking with you again i really appreciate you taking your time out of this evening and i really hope that anyone who hasn't already checked out not only our other conversation but more specifically your music i need people more people to just that's what this podcast is all about is highlighting you as an artist and getting as many people to listen to you as possible and because i just think you're an amazing individual both in and outside of music so just thank you for being you releasing what you are and i'm very excited for the coming years thank you very much well it's a pleasure to talk to you as always (laughs) thank you very much And that's the end of the episode. Thank you all so much for tuning in, as always. And if you haven't gone back and listened to episode 69 of Genuine Chit Chat, make sure you go check that out, because that was the introduction to Shaudo, and it is still a brilliant conversation even years later. So in addition to checking out the show notes and saving Shadow's latest track, what else can you do for me? Well, my friends, uh, you can obviously follow me on social media at Genuine Chit Chat. You can also follow Shadow and the link in the description, which is link.bio slash Shadow Music. You click on that, it will take you to all of his social media links and a lot of the links to his latest singles and things like that. You know, supporting independent artists is an incredibly important thing to this show and should be just in general life. So any way that you guys can support Shadow would be massively appreciated. But in addition to that, you can support the show by reviewing on a variety of different places like Good Pods or Apple Podcasts, places like that. Spotify, you can give a rating out of five star. You don't even have to write anything. In addition to that, you can share with your friends on social media. You can talk to your friends about this and you can check out, you know, older episodes as well because I get people contact me still who go back and listen to like episode one and things and still say it's really good. Obviously, when I listen now, I'm like, oh, I did that bit wrong or oh, I waffled on too long for that part. But, you know, checking out the back catalogue of Genuine Chit Chat only ever helps out the show. So if you could do that, that would be wonderful and obviously starting with episode 69 if you enjoyed this one would be a great place to start 
In addition to that, please go over to my YouTube channel and subscribe because once I get my subscriber count over 100, then I can change the channel link. I know the vast majority of you do not listen on YouTube, but if a couple of people could go over there as well, then it would be really handy. But also if you are new to the show, if you go over to YouTube, there's a variety of conversations which will be up there with full video. I put all of my conversations into playlists. So there's a playlist specifically about music and artists, which obviously these two episodes of Shadow are in there, along with many of the other musical conversations I've had with people like Professor Elemental or Millie Manders in the Shut Up or Noir, a wide variety of artists that I've had on the show. So make sure you check out YouTube. There's a variety of cool things there and all my episodes of Star Wars comics and canon are on there as well. But what have we got coming up for Genuine Chit Chat? Well, next week I've got two recordings due. One of them, which I'm doing tomorrow now, is going to be with a Star Wars High Republic creator, is all I can say about that. I already spoke to Claudio Gray back at the tail end of 2020, and I'm very excited to be able to speak to this individual tomorrow. So I imagine that conversation will be out next week as well. Then in addition to that, I've got another conversation with a comic book author. Uh, Past that, I've also got conversations with some other new and interesting people for the show, a couple of authors of books, but like non-fiction things and some other very interesting individuals. So can't talk about all of those yet, but they're going to be incredibly interesting and honest conversations as we always have on Genuine Chit Chat. So make sure you stay subscribed and pay attention to things. Obviously on social media, I always post snippets of the conversations that I have so it's a good way to just listen to a bit of the conversation if you're unsure what you want to listen to um, obviously I would say listen to all of them because they're all amazing but I appreciate not everyone is interested in every single subject matter that I speak about on this show in addition to all those things, in the show notes, I always put details of the various guest spots that I've been involved with. I've got a few more coming up over the coming months, but recently I just recorded a part two of my conversation with Ben of Star Wars Timeline about our Star Wars accents discussion. So we speak about the prequels accents and how people's mannerisms, how they speak and the accents themselves, how they affect how we view characters and how it affects the overall plot and the story. So it's a really interesting conversation there. I think we're going to do a part three in the coming weeks, but before that, we're probably going to do an Obi-Wan Kenobi prequel show where we're going to talk about what we want from the Kenobi series as well as what people can read or content they can consume before going into the Kenobi series to kind of help them understand some of the elements that may or may not be appearing in there so that's going to be a really fun conversation then so you know make sure you subscribe to Star Wars Timeline over on YouTube as well and while you're at it obviously subscribe to Genuine Chit Chat and you can keep up to date because I do appear on Star Wars Timeline fairly frequently I think I've been on there like six times now (laughs) with more to come. But aside from all those things, the last thing I'll say is please make sure you check out my Patreon. So patreon.com slash genuinechitschat is the number one place to support this show and all the things I do on it. We're getting near the five-year anniversary of Genuine Chit Chat, which is madness. The amount of incredibly interesting people I've spoken to just blows my mind. But if you want to really help keep the gears running and you want to support the show as well as getting loads of additional content, please consider going to patreon.com slash genuinechitschat. If you're not 100% sold on that, then, you know, check out the free episode that I've recently released on there me and megan are doing a tom hanks rewatch over 2022 and we've watched big uh turner and hooch the burbs joe versus the volcano a league of their own we've got sleepless in seattle philadelphia and forrest gump coming up we're aiming to do relatively all of the movies he's appeared in up to present day uh, including i think we're going to watch band of brothers as well and probably the pacific so we're releasing afterthoughts once a week they're not always tom hanks rewatches some of them are tom hanks stuff some of them are the live performances we've seen recently including book of mormon and les miserables uh we 
seeing other movies in the cinema, some of the MCU stuff, some of the non-MCU stuff, like, you know, The Duke with Jim Broadbent. That's a cracking movie, and we did a spoiler-free review of that. So if you want additional content, at least one episode of that every single week, you want early access to genuine chit-chat episodes, and you want a bit of a better view of behind the curtain, as it were, please consider checking it out. For as little as £1 a month, then you get access to hours and hours of additional content, and it really, really helps out the show. And I want to say a thank you to Scott Weatherly and Dan Bors, or Spider Dan, because both of them have recently become Patreon supporters, and they've both kindly messaged me and telling me about all the episodes of Afterthoughts they've been really enjoying. So follow those guys, check out Patreon, you only have to give £1 a month and then you get access to loads of additional stuff and you get a thank you from me uh, and you get one portion of my undying love. And you know, I would say you can't buy that, but you can with a Patreon subscription. (laughs) So thank you as always for listening guys. I appreciate each and every one of you, no matter how you support the show, if you are just a listener in the background or if you are forefront sharing on social media, telling your friends about it, leaving reviews, or if you're a Patreon supporter, I appreciate all of you an incredible amount. So just Thank you so much, as always, for making this show possible, and I hope you have a really good week, and I'll speak to you next week with the elusive Star Wars content creator. You have just experienced host, creator, everything else of genuine chit-chat, and also the host and creator of Star Wars Comics and Canon, found on the Comics in Motion podcast, Mike Burton.